God has defined some clear boundaries for us, where we can go with our words and where we shouldn't. This message is the 12th in the series, Rudders and Roots. The message is entitled, Guiding and Guarding Your Mouth, Part 4. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Your words shape your destiny. Your words shape your life. Your words shape your relationships. And one of the things that we see when we study the Bible is that God is looking for people like you and me who begin to change our language to reflect the language of God. That We learn the language of heaven. And there is a unique language of heaven that you and I need to learn, need to clearly understand. And of course, as with any language, it takes some time to learn the language. You don't learn a new language overnight, and so you have to practice the language. You have to begin to get used to the language and comfortable with it, so you're actually a proficient in that language. The same is true with the language of God. We have to practice it and become proficient in the language. And part of that language involves learning how to actually guard your mouth in a particular way. And so we're going to talk specifically about that in just a few moments. But I want to draw your attention to James chapter 3, beginning in verse number 2. We'll read down through the first part of verse number 5 as we see this theme passage for our series together. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we're able to bridle the words we say, we're powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. The Apostle James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, among a number of things in this passage, reminds us of the impact of your words, the fact that your tongue, your words, your mouth has the capacity to direct your life. Just like the bit and bridle on a large horse will direct that horse where the horse needs to go and the rudder on a ship will direct the ship where it needs to go, your mouth is directing your life. And I want to talk to us today about one aspect of this, this, this tongue control, controlling your words. I want to talk to you about a vital dimension of this if you and I are going to learn the language of heaven. And there's one, one primary lesson for today. I'm trying to give you about one lesson a day as we're going through this. And today's lesson is simply this. You and I need to learn to set boundaries in our communication. That's the key lesson for today. You and I need to learn to set boundaries in our words, boundaries in what we say, boundaries in our communication. Boundaries are a very important part of life because boundaries define where you can go and where you're not allowed to go. On a piece of property, you have boundaries. If you own a, own a property, you know where your stakes are, you know where your boundaries are, and that's your property, it's your responsibility, and you're not supposed to step over that boundary into your neighbor's property because it is a boundary. It sets a line that describes what you're allowed to operate within and where you're not allowed to operate, and so boundaries are essential. In the athletic uh, dimension of life, we know that on a football field, there are boundaries. There are certain things that are out of bounds. The same is true in soccer. There are certain things that are out of bounds. In every sport, there are are things that happen inbound and out of bound. And so to play the sport well, you have to play it within the boundaries. You have to learn what the boundaries are and play within those boundaries. Because boundaries not only provide a sense of rules for your life, but it also provides protection for your life. Boundaries are good things for you and me. Boundaries are good in relationships and every realm of life. And we need boundaries in the words that we speak. When it comes to our words, God has told us very clearly in Scripture what is in bounds when it comes to our words and what is out of bounds. 
And we need to know where those boundary markers are because if we get across the boundary marker, we've stepped out of God's language zone, if you will. We put ourselves at risk for things in life that we should not be at risk for. And so we want to live within God's boundaries with our words. And so I want you to see how important boundaries are to God, and we'll look at some ways that we need to do that. Let me say something before I get into today's message. Today's message is going to be right at us, okay? It's going to come right down to where we live. We're going to get right into our lives today in very specific ways, but I want you to know as I'm sharing this message that today's message is not designed in any way, any shape, any form to bring condemnation or discouragement to your life. It's designed to get you back in bounds. If you've gotten out of bounds, God wants to get you back in bounds, and getting back in bounds is a good thing. God is not, for, not against you. He is for you to help you in this journey. But look at what the Scripture says about being in bounds. The psalmist prays this prayer in Psalm 141, verse 3. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and what's the next word? Guard my lips. Make sure that my lips don't get out of bounds. Proverbs 18, verse 7. A fool has a big mouth that only gets him into trouble, and he'll pay the price for what he says. A fool has a mouth that keeps spouting off. It is not controlled. It is not in bounds. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your words and be careful what you say, and you'll be surprised how few troubles you'll have. If you stay in bounds, you'll have less trouble in your life. James 1, 26. If someone believes that they have a relationship with God, but fails to guard his words, keep them in bounds, then his heart is drifting away and his religion is shallow and empty. Ephesians chapter four, chapter 5 verse 4 describes the setting of boundaries with our words as well. Guard your speech, forsake obscenities and worthless insults. They're, these are nonsensical words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. And so we're talking about the boundaries that God has in place for us. So let me share with you nine areas of life that are out of bounds, okay? Perhaps the best way to learn how to stay in bounds is to understand what's out of bounds, and then it helps us to understand the playing field that God has given to us. So let me share with you nine out of bound dimensions of words. Everybody with me so far? Nine places you don't want to go with your words, okay? Nine things you need to correct if you're doing these things to get back in bounds. Number one, the first thing, the first thing to avoid would be excessive words. The Bible warns us about talking too much. Has talking too much ever gotten you in trouble? Sometimes one of the best things you can do is just keep your mouth shut. Because as soon as you talk, you're, you're perhaps getting yourself into deep waters. Notice Proverbs 10, 14. A wise man holds his tongue, only a fool blurts out everything he knows, and that only leads to sorrow and trouble. How true that is. Proverbs 10, 19. If you talk a lot, you are sure to sin. If you are wise, you will keep quiet. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even, I love this one, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Don't you like that? Okay. If you ever just want to look like you're a wise person, just don't say anything. That person is really smart. How do you know they're smart? They never say anything. Okay? They're deep thinkers. Okay. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth Keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Turn to your neighbor and just say one word, truth. Go ahead and tell them, say truth right there, okay. The second thing you want to stay away from, this is out of bounds with your words, gossip and slander. A little rumbling to the crowd right then, okay. Let me give you the, the dictionary definition for gossip. Are you ready for it? 
Gossip is casual or unconstrained conversation reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. I'll give that to you again. Gossip, casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. It's telling tales about other people. To bring it down home, it's when you have a conversation with someone and they say or you say, did you hear about? Have you heard the news about? And it's always about somebody that's not there in that situation. And so suddenly a tale comes out, information comes out that you may or may not know to be true, but it has a negative impact because you're actually talking about people behind their backs in a negative way. And that's the Bible warns us that that is out of bounds when it comes to our Christian conversation. It is out of bounds when it comes to the language of God. You and I as believers in Christ should not engage in gossip because gossip always leads to or generally leads to slander. And the word slander is a stronger word. It actually has legal ramifications, but gossip leads to slander, and slander is when you have ruined or impacted negatively another person's reputation. That you've actually, by the words that you've spoken, you've caused them to be viewed in a negative way by others. You've placed some kind of tarnish upon the reputation of someone else. And I think if you've ever been the the subject of someone's gossip or the subject of someone's slander, you know the pain that that causes in your life when when you have people that are deriding your reputation and not really knowing facts about what's going on in your life. And so gossip and slander are very, very challenging things and very wrong things for us to engage in because of the impact they have upon upon other people. And the world in which we live today is filled with gossip and filled with slander. All on the pages of the internet, you'll find all kind of gossip and slander. And what needs to happen in our lives, we need to get to the place that we're, we're not hungry for that kind of stuff. Actually, instead of being hungry for gossip, we actually are repelled by gossip. We're actually, we're actually turned off by it. We might say that gossip is not something we seek out, nor is it something that we, we enjoy coming into our ears. Listen to the scriptures. Whoever spreads slander is a fool. Spreading is a key, accurate term for that. Spreading, like you spread something around, spreading slander, gossip. Proverbs 11, verse 13, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Proverbs 16, 28, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. See, gossip, you've seen it perhaps in your workplace. When gossip happens, it is planting seeds of strife. It is causing the separation of people. How many office environments have been destroyed by gossip? All kind of contention breaks out in the, in the context of a gossiping group of people. Proverbs 20, verse 19, a gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. I like that statement, chatterers. Proverbs 26, 20, fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip starts. In Proverbs 26, verse 22, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels that go down to a man's inmost parts. Gossip, there's something about it. It's the pride and sinful nature that we have that when we hear gossip, it makes us feel like we're one up on somebody. We know something that puts us on the inside and it feels good going down, but it it, it creates problems coming back up from your life. And so it's a thing to avoid. The third thing that's out of bounds when it comes to, to our language with God is deceptive and flattering words. Deceptive and flattering words. 
The word deceptive means to willfully twist or taint or distort the truth. You're being deceptive when you willfully choose to, to twist, taint, or distort truth. That's deception. I'll come back to that in a moment. Let me talk about flattery for a moment. Flattery is when you're speaking an untruth in a pleasant way to another person to get something from them or to ingratiate yourself to them for the, for the purpose of an agenda that you have. If I start saying really nice things to you because I'm not really sincere about my nice things I'm saying to you. I'm saying them to you because I have an agenda. I want to get something from you. So I'm buttering you up so I can get what I want with my life. I'm not sincere in my praise of you. I'm not sincere in my gratitude of you. I'm simply using those words to get something deceptively to manipulate you in some way to get what I want for my life. That's called flattery. And the Bible says that both deception and flattery are something that are out of bounds with God. Notice Proverbs 6. 16. I love this passage. Actually, I love it in the sense that it corrects us. It's a tough passage to read, but it's a very powerful passage. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes. What's the second thing? A lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent. I could talk about all three of those, but let's go to the one in the middle. A lying tongue. The Bible says that God hates these things. He detests them. They're an abomination, one translation says to him. Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. He takes delight in those that speak truth. Proverbs 20, verse 19, he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Why should we not associate with someone who is a flatterer? Because there's something twisted in their character. They're, they're attempting to manipulate you in some way to get something they want for their life, and their praise is never sincere. Proverbs 21, verse 6, wealth created by a lying tongue. You know, there's a lot of wealth created by lying tongues. Listen to that again. Wealth created by a lying tongue. There's a lot of wealth in our world today created by lies. I want to make a sale, so I'm going to promise something and tell you something that's not even true about this product, so I'll get your money and I will sell this to you. It's not true, but I'm utilizing this to get something for me. And so that could go in many different ways ways, but lying tongues are used to create wealth. The Bible says wealth created by a lying tongue is a vanishing mist, and what else is it? A deadly trap. It will capture you. It will destroy your life. Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruins. Proverbs 29, verse 5, whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his own feet, for his feet. Now, you might notice today that I'm going through a lot of scriptures. That's the whole purpose because I believe that today we need to be washed by the water of the word. Amen? And I'm not here today to really tell you my opinion of what God says about how we're to live our life. I'm trying to help you understand how to get back in bounds. Again, it's not God condemning us in any way. It's him reminding us, come on, that's out of bounds. Get back in bounds so you can play the game the way that I want you to play it. Number four, the fourth thing would be angry, contentious, divisive words. When you and I speak angry words, contentious words, divisive words. Angry, I'm angry, I'm mad, so I say stuff that's destructive to other people. Contentious, that means I'm saying words that create trouble in relationships, I'm stirring things up, divisive words, I'm taking unity, and I'm destroying unity between people. 
So all three of those kinds of words, they go together in a package, angry, contentious, divisive. God says, that's out of bounds. I don't want you speaking angry words. I don't want you engaged in contentious conversations where you're just stirring up arguments. And I don't want you dividing or breaking down unity. You need to promote unity, not destroy unity. Sowing discord, being argumentative, generating strife, blowing off your anger, being abusive with your words. All these things are things that God says, no, that's out of bounds. Proverbs 6, 19, going back to that passage where God is describing seven things that he hates. And one of the statements is found in verse 19, a false witness. He says, I hate a false witness who pours out lies and a man who does what? Stirs up dissension among brothers. One translation says, sowing dissension among the brethren. That when you and I sow division, sow strife and contention, it's not a positive thing. It's out of bounds with God. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It's to a man's honor to avoid strife. But every fool is quick to quarrel. You find someone that's quick to get into a fight with somebody else, it, shows, it tells us something about that character. It tells us they're, they're more foolish than they are wise. Proverbs 26, 21. A charcoal, as charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. And Ephesians 4, 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, that's your angry words, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Get this out of your life. It's out of bounds. It's not the kind of language that God wants us to utilize. Number five. Moving through these very rapidly. Number five, poisonous and destructive words. What we mean by poisonous and destructive words are words that curse and words that contaminate and words that envenomate others. Think about it this way. If, if a viper, a poisonous snake strikes out, the reason that poisonous snakes create so much fear is because of the toxins they envenomate you with, right? Right? And so that snake can come upon you and strike you and envenomate you, put his venom in you, and now the poison from the snake has gotten in you and it begins to do something inside of you that tears down tissue, that causes problems with your blood, it causes all kinds of things in your life because it's a venom inside of you. Words can be like that. We can speak words that are like venom that get inside of other people, or we can be the recipients of words that get inside of us that begin to break, down, break us down on the inside and begin to destroy dimensions of our life. And so God says, don't, don't speak words like that. Don't envenomate other people. Don't speak words that are vile, words that are destructive, words that have poison associated with them that can destroy people on the inside. Don't use those words. Psalm 140, verse 3. They make their tongues, talking about ungodly people, they make their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is where? Where is it? on their lips. The poison of viper, the poison of, the poison of vipers is on their lips. Matthew 5 verses 20, verse 22, latter part of verse 22, Jesus is speaking here, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And notice what Jesus says, carelessly calling a brother idiot, carelessly call a brother idiot and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Words have the ability to envenomate, to poison, to destroy, to break down on the inside, to kill another person. Avoid poisonous, destructive words. Everybody still okay? You still know God loves you? Good. Okay. Number six, proud words. 
words of self-praise, words of self-promotion. We live in a culture today that is very high on self-exaltation and self-promotion. It's everywhere, okay? I mean, all, you, just, you, 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 you watch the news, you watch television programs, you watch talk shows, and what do you hear? Self-exaltation and self-promotion. God says that you and I are not as believers to be engaged in promoting ourselves or exalting ourselves. In fact, the Bible is very clear that if we exalt ourselves, we will be humble, and if we humble ourselves, we will be exalted. Amen? Okay? And so if you want a pathway to humility, exalt yourself, and God will humble you. But if you want a pathway to exaltation, humble yourself, and God will exalt you. Okay? See, that's the difference. Okay? But God says, no, you can't live a life where you're all about you and you're about promoting yourself and exalting yourself because that's not the kind of words that I want you to speak. And again, it's, it's pervasive in our culture today. I think social media is added to that. Everybody's on social media promoting themselves, promoting them, exalting themselves in some way. The Bible's clear that you and I not, need not be engaged in that. Why? Because if you will live the life, listen closely, if you'll live the life that God calls you to live, if you need to be promoted, God knows how to promote you. You get busy doing what you're supposed to do, living the life you're supposed to live. And the psalmist said, promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. Promotion comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God knows how to exalt you. Now, I'm not saying that you need to be necessarily shy about your capacities, your abilities. Uh, not, I'm not saying that at all, but, but God doesn't want you to be in the position of proud, self-exalting words. Notice Proverbs 27, verse 2, let another praise you and not your own mouth. Someone else and not your own lips. If you want to be praised, let somebody do the praising for you, okay? Let somebody else say nice things about you. You don't have to be the one that is promoting yourself. Number seven, hasty words. Of course, the word hasty means quick. You haven't really thought about it. I think all of us have been in situations before that uh, we, we put our mouth in motion before our mind was in gear. Correct? Our mouth is running and our brain's trying to catch up with what's going out of our mouth. Whoa, come back here. Right? Hasty words. Rash words. Rash commitment, rash comments that you make and rash commitments that you make because you haven't thought about what you're saying before you say it. You haven't thought about what you're committing to before you commit to it. The Bible is big. On, uh, in emphasizing the importance of thinking before you speak, not letting your mouth get ahead of your mind. Notice Proverbs 20, verse five, 25. Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. I've heard people before, oh God, if you'll give me a million dollars, I'll tithe. God, if you'll let me win the lottery... I've got this ticket in my pocket. God, let the number come. I promise you, I'll give you 15%. Listen, if you can't tithe on a dollar, you'll not tithe on a million dollars. I'm just telling you that, okay? All right, okay? Don't fool yourself. Suddenly, when the million dollars comes in, you start, well, you know, God, uh, <clears throat> I was just thinking about that. And that's a lot of money. Are you hearing me? Okay. Rash comments, rash commitments that people make, okay? 
Proverbs 20, verse 25, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only lady counting the cost. Ecclesiastes 5, 2, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. Read the rest with me. So let your words be few. The last two that we're coming up on today, the eighth one, this might be the one that, that gets into your heart or mind a bit more, certainly in our culture today, it's the word profanity. God says it's out of bounds. Profanity is out of bounds. Words that, per, that pervert, words that pollute, words that are obscene. The word obscenity means to de- design to incite lust or depravity. Profanity refers to language that is base, irreverent, unholy, defiled. Profanity today is becoming mainstream, unfortunately. You would think that over the years our, our culture would get more and more educated and more refined, but instead the culture is becoming more base. It was a time that you could actually turn the television on and not worry about hearing one profane word. Amen. Hallelujah to that, okay? But those days are far gone because little by little, profane words started being utilized in the mainstream on television. And now, and then after that, they would use them, but they would bleep them out. Now they don't even worry about the bleep anymore, okay? Are you, are you with me? So the culture that we live in is a very profane culture. Listen closely. If the only way you have to express yourself in a situation is through profanity, you need to buy a dictionary, okay? Because if all you know are four-letter words, you need to expand your vocabulary, okay? Are you hearing me, okay? Educated people know how to express themselves without having to yank into the closet of profanity to to establish emphasis on a point. Are you with me, okay? We don't need that, okay? And so the Bible is clear that shouldn't be a part of our lives, okay? It shouldn't be what, where we traffic with our words because God calls us to clean up our mouth. It's interesting that in Scripture, I was just thinking about this last night as I was preaching. I had not planned to say it, but I want to bring it up today as well. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to birth the church, you can read about this in Acts chapter 2, There were 120 believers in the upper room in Jerusalem, and they're waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. And when the power of the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says it was like a mighty rushing wind that came into that room. And there were tongues of fire that set upon the tongues of people, the heads and the tongues of people in that room. It's very interesting. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. It's very interesting that one of the first things that happened as a sign of the Holy Spirit is that the people began to speak a new language. I will tell you this, when you are filled with the Spirit, you will speak differently, okay? You'll not speak like the world around you speaks. You'll be different. And you say, well, my goodness, I'm going I'm to appear weird if I don't kind of join in with the crowd and use the words. They, well, that's okay. You, they already think you're weird, okay? Anyway, okay? Just go ahead, and, go ahead and confirm their suspicions, okay? Just go ahead and confirm their suspicions. They already think you're weird. Just go, yeah, I am weird, okay? I don't use those words, okay? Now, you don't have to do it in a, in a religious way. You don't have to do it in a self-righteous way. In fact, you shouldn't do it in a religious or self-righteous way. Just not who I am, Okay? I don't use those words. It's not a part of my vocabulary. Let's go back to Scripture here and see what it says. Everybody still love me okay? I know, are you sure? Okay. Proverbs ten eleven: The mouth of the evil man is filled with what? Curses. Proverbs 10, 31 and 32. The mouth of the righteous bring forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting 
but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse or profane. Ephesians 4, 29, would you read this together with me? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Let's keep it up on the screen for a moment. I want to di dissect this. I want to break it apart just for a bit. Do not let any. What does the word any mean? Not any. None. Okay. Do not let any unwholesome. Notice that word, unwholesome. The original Greek language for that word, a Greek term for that word, means it's, it's something that's poor quality, something that's really unfit for use. Another uh, meaning of that word is putrid, is another example of what it means. It's causing something to rot or causing something to decay. Now, without getting really graphic here today, I, but I do want to maybe draw this point home. I think all of us at certain times have been around maybe a, a situation where an animal has died and has not been properly buried and that animal is decaying and there's this putrid smell, the stench that comes from it. It's, unwhole, it's just like you can't get away from it. It's, just, it's the smell of death, okay, that happens there. That's the kind of word that's used here for unwholesome. It's just putrid. It stinks. Don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building others up, the Scripture says. Let me take you to the last point today. With this, we're going to conclude disrespectful and dishonoring words. I'm going to dive into the deeper part of this in just a moment. Before I do, let me give you the, the first end of this, and then we'll, we'll spend more of our time on the latter end as we're wrapping up. Disrespectful, dishonoring words. Listen, we should never speak any dis disrespectful, dishonoring words toward another human being. Every human being is a creation of God worthy of respect and worthy of honor. Amen? There should never be anything that comes out of our mouth that is disrespectful or dishonoring of another human being. Now, that doesn't mean that you always have to approve of their behavior. It doesn't mean you have to affirm their behavior, but you should always respect the person. There should always be respect and honor for all of God's creation. We honor one another because at the very basic level, God created us, okay? We may not appreciate, we may not value, we may not affirm, we may not, uh, we may not agree with behavior, but we have the ability in the midst of whatever the behavior is to respect and honor God's creation as a person, okay? So we should never speak disrespectfully or dishonorably about anyone at all. The Bible's clear about that. But even more so, we should never speak disrespectfully or dishonorably about God. And that's the part I want to talk about. Because in our world today, not only do we have profanity, but we have an increased dimension of taking the name of the Lord in vain. Using God's name as a curse, using God's name as a statement of exclamation. Oh, Jesus! Time out. What do you mean by that? Did you mean, oh, Jesus, come and help me? Or was that a statement of your excitement? Or was it a statement of your frustration? What was it? Was it taking the name of the Lord in vain? Are you with me today? Okay. And the question becomes, how much do you honor God's name? When do you insert God's name into your conversation? How do you do that? Do you do it in an honorable way, a respectful way? Or do you take the name of the Lord in in vain. See, to take his name in vain means to use his name in a way that is other than an exclamation of your worship and your trust and confidence in him. It's a disrespecting of his name. 
And so you and I need to be careful about how we use the name of the Lord. And we know some of the ways that the name of the Lord is taken in vain. I'm not going to use all those today or give them to you, of course. would not do that here today. But the question becomes, do you do that in your life? Are you disrespecting, dishonoring God's name? Because when you do that, you're actually disrespecting and dishonoring the greatest name of all. The Bible says there is no name like the name of Jesus. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow and every tongue, words, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That there's no name given under heaven by which men must be saved except the name of Jesus. There is no name like His name. No other name like the name of Jesus. That name is worthy of our praise. That name is worthy of our exclamation, our exaltation. It is worthy of our honor. It is worthy of our respect. There is no name like the name of Jesus. I proclaim and remind us today that, that His name is above every name. His name needs to be honored and respected and worshiped and magnified. There is no one like our God, and His name is above all names. Isn't it interesting that in our culture today that when people curse and use profanity and take the name of the Lord in vain, whose name do they use? They use Jesus' name, right? They don't say, oh, Buddha. That should be a proof of the fact that there is no name like His name because the devil will do everything possible to try to denigrate and bring disrespect and dishonor to the name of Jesus. But above all people on the planet, you and I as followers of Christ need to be those who lift up and honor and bless and praise and hold in high esteem and respect and honor the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Okay. So while... The world around us is using God's name in vain and using exclamations of God's name for anything other than worship or praise. Let it be in our lives that we make the decision. That's not going to be on our lips. What does the scripture say about this? Proverbs chapter 9 verse 12. If you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, as someone that takes the name of God in vain, doesn't take him seriously. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. Exodus 20 verse 7. Read it with me from the New King James Version. Let's read together. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. If I could summarize what I've said today about boundaries in your words, I would summarize them with one statement. Think before you speak. And help us to understand what it means to think before we speak. Here's a little diagram for you that perhaps will help you. And I'm going to give you, this is not original to me, by the way. This has been around for a long time, but I love it. I think it's a great way to, to, think, to think about this, thinking before you speak, is to use the word think when you're in a conversation and to think before you speak to ask yourself these questions. T, is it truthful? If it's not truthful, I'm not going to say it, right? H, is it helpful? Okay. If what I'm, about, is what I'm about to say, is it going to help the situation or is it going to hurt the situation? Is it true? Is it true? Is it helpful? Number three, is it I? Inspiring. You know what the word inspire means? To inspire, actually the original word for that means to breathe into, okay? It's the idea of breath, okay? And so, you ever had someone say something and took the breath out of you, right? 
just knock the breath out of you, knock the wind out of you. And you've had people before that spoke something and put wind into you, okay? They, they inspired you. And so you ask yourself the question before you say something, is it true if it's not, not even going to go there? Is it helpful if it's not, not even going to go there? Is it inspiring? Is it going to take the wind out or put wind into an end? Is it? That would cure a lot of our problems, right? I think most of us would go around quite silent most of the day. If we just simply ask ourselves that question, not even necessary to say this. And then, K, is it kind? Is it kind? Are these words reflective of the nature and love of Christ? Can I say them in a kind way? If it's not true and it's not helpful, if it's not inspiring, if it's not necessary, if it's not kind, you don't even need to go there. So may God help us, as the psalmist said, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you bring adjustment to our lives. We're so grateful for that. Thank you that you remind us of where the boundaries are. When it comes to our speech, take this word, Lord, and let it, let it help us, Lord, to live the life that you called us to live for your glory and for your honor in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.